Today, we got to talk about international signing period, which opened up on Sunday. We have players agreeing to contracts to avoid arbitration. We have free agency getting thinner and thinner. We have former Tigers signing with new teams. Lot to discuss all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Monday, January 16th, 2023, MLK Day. Thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Forgot the word get there. Including YouTube. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online as you cover the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts okay let's talk about the Detroit Tigers shall we we got a lot to go over like I said uh in the cold open there we're going to cover quite a lot just news and notes from the last four or five days let's start with the major league team because I think that that's fair and then we'll get into international signing in the second segment and then we'll end the show talking a little bit more just about uh, I get asked almost every day about the, uh, the the free agent market that's thinning and thinning and what the Tigers plan on doing and whatnot. And so uh, I'm, I'm going to address what I think the rest of the offseason will look like as well. But first off, let's talk about some players that avoided arbitration on Sunday, Sunday, Saturday over the weekend. Jose Cisnero avoids arbitration with a 2.2 million dollar deal I believe and 2.2875 the exact number million dollar deal uh, reported by Evan Petzold of the Freep and then Ronnie Garcia also avoided arbitration as well Uh, his exact numbers haven't been released yet his salary hasn't been released yet uh, which is like kind of weird but whatever I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's just hasn't come to light yet so those two avoid arbitration uh, I'm always fine with the avoiding arbitration. That's something that is a very common practice if you are unaware. And yeah, when players are arbitration eligible, I mean, the whole process is crazy. Like it really is like like optically, just conceptually. It's very, very strange how you have to go into a, I don't want to say like a court setting, but you're going in to see an arbitrator, like for lack of a better term, kind of a court setting. And then you are explaining why you're good and why you deserve X salary. And then your literal employer is sitting across from you and is telling the arbitrator why you're bad and why you don't deserve that extra, whatever the difference is between your two prices, 500 K 5 million doesn't matter. They're actively trying to, to argue against you, even though they're your employer. It's a crazy concept to me. And I've always found it fascinating. And we've actually heard quite a few. I don't want to make it sound like it's everybody, but we've heard quite a few players over the years, not necessarily with the Tigers specifically, I guess, but just around baseball, players who talk about, you know, relationships kind of getting tainted and that's starting sometimes with the arbitration process, just because like you have to go and listen to the front office of your baseball team, just talk about how, like you're you're not good enough or or 
you're not good enough to get this salary and you're actually like knock you down a few levels. It's just, it's wild to me. So I've always been like big time in favor of giving out one-year contracts to in the middle of the two prices just to avoid ARB. And most teams are. That's something that, that I'm not trying to make it sound like we're like ahead of the curve or anything. Most teams do that. Uh, arbitration less and less as the years go on, less and less players actually get into that room just because it's it's much easier to just settle on something and avoid it. So, uh, yeah, the Tigers, and I believe those are the only two left. So I believe that the Tigers won't have anyone going into ARB between that they – cut a lot of them a lot of the arbitration eligible players they just didn't bring back even though they're obviously under team control because they're arb eligible and then there was some that we traded away joe jimenez gregory soto and then the i believe austin meadows and tyler alexander were also arb eligible and they got their let's give a one-year contract so we don't go to arbitration deals back earlier in the offseason. So I believe these were the only two left, and so we won't have anyone go to ARB, which, again, I am more than fine with. So very much okay there. Um, who else? I think that's it for for that. I want to talk a little bit about former Tigers that are now with new teams. Willie Castro got a minor league deal with an invite to spring training from the Colorado Rockies. So just that that continues to... I don't want to say prove, but kind of reiterate, like this is what other teams think of your like borderline everyday starters at one point last year, right? Like Victor Reyes, both Castros all have gotten minor league deals, right? (laughs) And those dudes were, were honestly, I mean, especially Harold at one point, like prominent players for your team. And the Rockies, who are really bad, well, they do well at home because of course, but like th- that's not a very great roster, are, are signing him to a, a minor league deal, Harold. Wish the best for him, Harold. Obviously gave us a lot of cool moments this year, um, but definitely not going to lose, lose any sleep over the fact that he will not be returning to the Tigers. Um, so yeah, we have Harold in Colorado. We have Willie in... Minnesota on a minor league deal and we have Victor Reyes in the south side of Chicago also on a minor league deal so those are the the big three I guess we'll call them uh updates from former Tigers also former Tiger Grayson Griner getting a minor league deal with the Minnesota Twins you know, he keeps finding work and props props to Grayson Griner man I mean he was certainly one of the when this team was really, really bad, right? Like, least we forget, you know, we're, we're complaining now. 2019 was brutal. And so that kind of era, 2018 to, I guess, 2020, even though that was a weird year, you know, how, how quickly we forget how bad some of those lineups were. I mean, I, I can remember John Hicks batting in the four spot. Griner was batting three or four at one point just because he ran into a homer like once a month and had some raw power, but... Uh, yeah, props props to Griner for finding work. That's another former Tiger that came across my uh, my eyes today that that signed a deal elsewhere, even though that wasn't you know just last season or whatever. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Okay, let's get into international signing. I know that's the big talk of the day, so we will discuss that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at 
Bet online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football, college football, basketball, soccer, they've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. For your next listen, check on the Locked on MLB Prospects podcast. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, just like us, baby. All right, international signing period happened. Well, happened. International signing period is a almost a year long. It's like 11 months long, right? It opens... January 15th this year, and it closes December 15th. And technically speaking, you can sign uh, an international free agent at any point during that window. But all of the top end best prospects always sign immediately when the window opens. Now, why is that? Well, that's just the state of how this system is set up, right? And we know that during the lockout, there was some rumors about adjusting it to a draft-type situation. Uh, that got shot down, and now so we are here still with the same system we've had, which is fine. But how this works is, yes, they're only signing right when the window opens, but you best believe that a lot of these teams have been talking to some of these dudes for already two, sometimes even like three years. Like you're legitimately talking about some like international scouts having contact with or talking about money or or talking about bringing somebody on board when they're like 14 years old, even 13 years old. So there, there's uh, it's not like, oh, international signing op- is open and oh my goodness, look, the Tigers didn't get anybody in the top 20. And like that's all like it's, it's not even necessarily the present front office's fault i guess is my point like some some of these have, have been, had handshake agreements or whatever to sign with certain teams or, or or relationships have been established with certain teams at a minimum even if a, a deal hasn't been agreed upon for years already so this is more of a carryover from the previous regime, if you're frustrated over the lack of a big splash in the international market, which you have every right to be. The Tigers have never, ever been serious players in the, in, in the international market. And it's very frustrating because it's something that I think a lot of fans just completely overlook. Like the international signing period in the draft should be looked at as the same opportunity to bring in talent. Do you know how many of the best players in the game today were international signees and not like drafted prospects? Uh, I mean, a large majority of the Latin players, right? Vlad, Tatis, like go down the list. So it, it, it always baffled me that the Tigers just never were serious players in it. And their mindset, especially during the Dombrowski era, their mindset was much more, 
this is the amount of pool money we have, and it changes almost every year. Now we have like 6.2 mil, I believe, was our, our number this season. But between the lockout and just like negotiations over the years, it literally changes all the time. But um, for a while there, it was 5 mil. And it was just their mindset was, and I guess really during the Avila era too, at the end of the Avila era, kind of started to to pony up a little bit. We'll talk about that. But instead of going out and making a huge splash and getting like one of the top dudes in the international market, they would just get a boatload of dudes that were either lower ranked or like not ranked in anybody's like top 50 international prospects of this, you know, signing period. And they would just bring in a ton of dudes and just go, well, these are literally 15 year old kids who knows how good they're going to be. Let's just get a ton, bring them into the complex and, and see if we can develop any of them rather than spend a boatload of money on one dude. And then, like I said, at the end of the Avila regime, they, to their credit, started getting a little bit more aggressive in the international signing period. You saw uh, Roberto Campos. Obviously, when he got signed, he was the biggest international signing in Tigers history, just according to money that was given to him. And then I believe the year immediately after, Christian Santana, same thing, broke Campos's uh, record and, and is still, he was almost 3 mil. I want to say he was like 2.9 million, um, Santana's was. And, and now Santana is a borderline top 10 prospect in the org. Campos is, is around, you know, top 15 prospect in the organization. They're both still so young, uh, just having turned 18 within the last uh, year or two for both of them. So, um Definitely a, uh, I don't know. I mean, if, if you want to like nitpick the strategy, like certainly one is a lot more optically pleasing off rip, but I, I mean, the Tigers have gotten their fair share of, of international signees that have hit Gregory Soto is obviously one of them. I know controversial. He sucks, whatever. You have to realize how many of these international prospects don't even come close to making the majors. So like the fact that we got, even if it was just a throw in all-star appearance, the fact that we got a two-time all-star for it is, is definitely a win. Um, I mean, there's there's so many. I mean, Harold Castro, uh, Dixon Machado over the year. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're, we've had our fair share of of replacement level ish players that were at one point international signings. Um, but I, I certainly agree with and understand the frustration of wanting to make a little bit of a bigger splash. And there's really the excuses are becoming fewer and further between for the Tigers to do so. Because as I said, now the Tigers are part of the group with the most money in the international signing period. They have like 6.2 mil and you can trade international pool money. You, you can do a lot with international signing pool money. Um, and, and a lot of it is predetermined somewhat based on uh, your the competitive balance, right? Like we see the competitive balance rounds in the draft and, and oh, like this team's a small market. They get an extra pick in between the first and second round or, oh, this team lost a player that got offered a qualifying offer. They get an extra pick or uh, so it's, it's somewhat similar to that. Like depending on all of those factors, you can get more or less money. Uh, they kind of break them up into, I think it's three or four different tiers. And uh, that that's how much money your your international pool bonus is and then there's I, I mean if a player rejects a qualifying offer if you sign somebody that got offered a qualifying offer you can lose some of that money like there's so many factors that can change how much money you have for this period but the fact of the matter is the tigers are in the top bracket when it comes to how much money their like starting initial pool is and it's over six mil and and 
the player that they signed this year that was like their marquee big international free agent signing, international free agent signing, was just over a million dollars. So I, I understand the frustration. I think it's totally justified. Now, again, I'll reiterate what I said earlier. It's also important to remember that so many of these deals and relationships have been formed for so long that like Harris, no GM, the greatest GM or, or president of baseball ops, whatever, the greatest front office in the history of baseball was not going to come in and just immediately get a ton of the top international free agents in year one. He was hired, what, four months ago? Like it, it, there's, it was just an impossible task. So we'll hopefully start seeing a little bit more aggression in that front next year. And if it's not there two years from now, then it looks like it's just more of the same old, same old. But it's really hard to judge that and critique that, at least against Harris and the new front office immediately, just because that that's just an impossible task. And, and they got in way too late into the game to, to really change some of those. I don't want to call them predetermined because they're not, but some of those, you know, already formed kind of relationships there. But uh, so, okay, I've just rambled a ton about how it works and how it's set up. Let's talk about some of the players a little bit. The big signing, the, the highest ranked player is the number 32. Yeah, 32 ranked player, according to MLB.com in the international signing pool, uh, is 17-year-old catcher Enrique Jimenez. He is a switch hitting catcher. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is really, uh, it's when you look at scouting reports for a lot of these dudes, most of them are going to be like around 50 grade. If you're looking at the 2080 scale, like they're pretty much all going to be around 50, except for like maybe the top, top players, just because again, like these are literally like 15 to 17 year old kids. Like, like who knows what they're going to develop into as far as play style goes, but uh, this is anytime you get a switch hitting catcher, that's already kind of intriguing. So that's kind of cool. But yeah, I mean, solid arm has impressed defensively. Still some room to grow there for sure. But all teenage catchers always have room to grow defensively. Um, has some some power that is really uh, looked at as a positive. And yeah, I, I mean, I'll also say for any of these dudes, the analysis and the scouting report is not going to be super in-depth because I'm going to sound like a broken record. But again, these are these are teenagers. These are dudes that are not even old enough to be like seniors in high school. Um, so it's, it's very difficult to look at them. And, they, they, you know, they're not playing in the States where scouts are kind of everywhere and prevalent. So, uh, like I said, a lot of the scouting reports are going to be all like sound very similar just because they're, they're <laughs> it, it, it's hard to differentiate at that age. But uh, definitely some raw tools. That's really what you're looking for in this period. You're looking for raw ability and raw tools to be able to develop. And again, anytime you get a switch hitting catcher with powers from both sides of the plate, you're going to be pretty pumped about that. So that's the biggest signing. Then we have uh, Michael Orozco. Again, if I mispronounce any of these, no disrespect intended. Uh, 17 years old as well, a shortstop. Has a, really a beautiful swing. I very much encourage you to go look up this dude's swing because it is an absolute beauty. Uh, the tape on him is is awesome. And yeah, this is more of a, a bat first prospect, according to MLB.com. And uh, yeah, I mean, we, we've seen those before. Christian Santana was another one that was kind of like bat over glove. Like people talked about 
Christian Santana kind of being similar to Johnny Peralta in the sense that not in, you know, build or, or physical ability or anything, but just in the sense that he was going to be more of a, a, a hit first shortstop. And this seems to be kind of a similar build as well. Then next up, we have Christian Perez, the 48th ranked prospect um, in the international science. We got three in the top 50, which is kind of cool. Uh, but again, I understand the frustration. Three in the top 50, but they're all from 32 to 50. I, I, I get it. Perez is a 16-year-old outfielder with some really impressive physical tools for sure and already some serious pop at only 16 years old. So that'll be one where they try to kind of develop the, the tools. He already has speed. They're going to try him in the center field just because that's what you do with young prospects, right? You're going to put them in... All these dudes are going to play either catcher, shortstop, or center field for the for immediately. And then once they get older and they start, you know, filling out a little bit more, then they'll decide, okay, maybe we're going to move you to a different position. But for now, almost all of these dudes play either catcher, shortstop, or center field because that's where the best players on their t- childhood teams play, right? So then after that, there's a lot of not ranked players. So we'll just go through those names really quickly, but not much of scouting reports on any of them. Anibal Salas, an outfielder from Venezuela. Uh, Abelardo Mendrano, an outfielder from the Dominican Republic. Brandy Caraballo, an outfielder from the Dominican Republic. And Juan Hernandez, a shortstop from Venezuela. There will also be a lot more signings. That's just at the present moment, at the time of this recording. Those are the ones that the team has made official up to this point. And like I said, this this period is really like a, almost a calendar year long and you can pick up more and more players. But almost all of the top 50 will be signed within the first couple of days. And already, I think over half have been signed at the time of this recording. And I'm doing this on Sunday afternoon. So uh, definitely something to keep an eye out for there. And yeah, again, I understand. I understand the frustration. I really do. It, it's really frustrating that we never, ever do anything in the international market. It's infuriating, actually, because a lot of the best players in baseball come from the international market, and we just aren't ever players in that. And it's really, really frustrating. So I'm hoping that given some time, this front office can can change that and we can kind of make more of a footprint and more of an impact in the international market because it, it's, it's vital to team success. It's such an easy way to improve your farm system without having to draft well, and we just didn't do it. And we weren't drafting well either back then. So, like, let me just – whatever. That's a whole different conversation. But there is your international signing update after day one of the international signing period opening. Let's talk about the remainder of the Tigers offseason because I know that that is something that I get asked about almost every day. So we'll do that right after I tell you all about our friends over at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, you have to try Built Bar. We just got through the holiday season. I know my goal is to eat a little bit healthier. And if you're like me, you want to eat a little healthier, but you don't want to compromise the taste, I have something for you. You have to try Built. It's healthy and actually tasty. They're so delicious, you won't even think they're good for you. They're perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes them so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, etc. I don't know how they do it, but they consistently make a bar that tastes amazing while also being good for you. The macros are great too. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. 
You also don't need to wait around to get a box. You don't have to wait and order it online anymore. You still can if you'd like to. But now they have deals with Walmart and Sam's Club. You can get a four-bar box at Walmart. You can get the 13-bar box at Sam's Club with all their delicious flavors in it, cookies and cream, double, double chocolate, coconut puffs, churro, cookie batter, really just the best out there. So go to Walmart, Sam's Club, order online, however you want to get it. Go check out Built today. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Third and final segment here, Locked On Tigers. Okay, let's talk about the rest of the offseason. Shall we? We shall. So, it is... I understand everyone's frustration with that as well. Uh, this was, you know, we, we were kind of told that a lot of moves were going to be made. Um, I was one of the, the leaders in the charge, and like a lot of changes were going to be made. And even though there hasn't been nearly as many major league signings as I thought there was going to be, um, change has has a lot of change has still been made, which is important to remember. But I know that you guys don't want to hear that. Let's talk about what is going to happen from here on out. Trey Mancini signs with the Cubs over the weekend. Uh, just on another, I mean, Andrew McCutcheon was on some of your guys' lists of, of players you wanted to see brought in. There's a lot of uh, – the free agency market is thinning and thinning and thinning. And basically, I am just going to tell you that I would not hold my breath on really any more free agent signings. I don't think that that's in the interest of this front office. I think that this organization wants to head in to this season with the ability to play a lot of different players – at a lot of different positions and really experiment and test out where some of these kids are going to play in the future. They don't want to roadblock anyone because they know that even if they went out and were huge spenders in free agency, this team was going to be nearly impossible to just like overnight turn around competitor. So what they're going to do instead is they're not going to log jam anyone. They're not going to gonna block anybody. And they're just going to play, uh, especially with the amount of versatility they have with Veerling, um, with Matan, with Kreidler, with Henry Malloy playing multiple positions. Like they have so many players on this team now that can play a multitude of positions that I think that there, the whole season, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit more when we start predicting uh, lineups and, and final rosters and, and et cetera. But uh, I don't expect the, oh, let's try this person at this position today and this person at this position the next day to just be a spring training thing. I think this is going to be a season-long experiment, for lack of a better term. And they're going to see what they have in these guys. And they're going to say, okay, well, so-and-so played – 60 games at shorts. Well, not shortstop. Javi's going to get shortstop, but 60 games at second, 60 games at third, uh, played in the outfield a little bit. This is what we thought of him. Okay. Next player. And they're going to analyze each one of these players. And, and then next year, they're going to have an even clearer image in their eyes of who is destined to be on this team for the long haul. And it's something that is a lot more difficult to do when it, like if you weren't really going to be competitive anyway then what's the point of and again i'm just 
the messenger here. What's the point of bringing in somebody on a one or two year deal just to kind of bridge the gap to the player that you're blocking anyway, then you're just kicking the can down the road. So let's just see what we have immediately, see what these players are going to do this year, and then we'll reassess and reanalyze and talk about the plan going forward next offseason. And I think that that's the plan. So I don't expect really very many, if any, more free agent signings from here on out. If there was one small one maybe that they thought maybe had the potential to stick around long-term, I guess that that's something that we could see. But I, I mean, genuinely, I if they didn't make a single free agent signing from here until opening day, I did, it would not shock me at all. I do think that they are a lot more fond of improving their team via trade. And that's something that I am still very convinced on January 16th that the Tigers will make another trade from now until when spring ball starts. I'm, I'm rather convinced. I don't know whether I've just convinced myself and it's totally not going to happen or what, but I am, I am very convinced that that is going to, to happen still. And who knows the magnitude, if it's like an Erod trade and it's a really big deal, or if it's just one of the, the bullpen pieces for maybe a couple more young controllable bats again. But I, I really do expect them to continue to do that because I think that that makes more sense for where they are at right now. I understand that logic. And again, I know everyone's frustrated. I'm going to get, Oh, like you're, you know, stupid, whatever. That's fine. But Given where they are now, now I'm not talking about where they were given at the start of the offseason, given where they're at now and the free agents remaining, what is the point of signing a one-year player? There there really isn't much. Like this team's going to be bad and there's no one-year deal out there that's going to change that. So you might as well just stick with what you have. Now, again, if you rewound to, to October and asked me that, I would still want them to be probably a little bit more aggressive in in the initial free agent market, but given what's left, there's pretty much no point. We are where we are. And I I understand that mindset on January 16th, a lot more than I did in October. So, and and who knows if it's a Harris thing, who knows if Illich is is being a penny pincher, like we'll we'll never know. But the fact of the matter is that this is where we are. and, And, and that logic tracks for me today. And if you are trading someone, you are getting receiving potentially a player with five to six years of team control. You're not getting a one-year deal that's just a stopgap. You're trading someone away that presumably has decent value, but is not going to help you in the long term, Gregory Soto, Joe Jimenez, etc. And you are going to receive players with uh, probably bats still with a lot of years of control left and they're going to be thrown in the mix and they're going to be versatile and they're going to have the ability to play their way on to the future plans of this team as well. Just like all the other players that have already done that. So far, Malloy, Veerling, Matan, etc. And so I, I would expect more of the same is pretty much the, the summarized version of that. I understand that upsets a lot of people that that's fine, but we are where we are. And, and I, I can, I can I can see the vision a lot more now than I could have in October for sure. Okay? All right. 
Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. For your second listen, check on the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, just like us. Hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. Uh, I appreciate you all very, very much. And we'll be back on Wednesday. Peace and love going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch you all then, baby. Go Tigers.